0: Welcome to Pozela Escocia, the only English-language podcast dedicated to Real Valladolid. Here is your host, Martin Dublin. Hey there folks, and welcome back to Pozela Escocia, where we are celebrating for a change. Yes, that's right, we got a win to talk about! It feels like a long time since I've been able to say that, but the first team have delivered, overcoming Real Zaragoza at home last Friday night. It was a special occasion for several different reasons, all of which I'll cover in this episode. Along with the following topics. Coming up this week on the Pucella Scotia podcast. As usual, we'll kick things off with our headlines section where there'll be results, transfer speculation, as well as confirmed transfers in and out of the club because it's all gone a bit mad over the last 48 hours. Relive, what was a great night at the Jose Zoria as we look back on our victory over Real Zaragoza. As that win boosted our league position pretty favourably, find out what, bearing the rest of the weekend's results, had on the table, when we go round the grounds to get all the latest scores. This Sunday, the first team travelled to the northwest corner of Spain to take on Club Deportivo Lugo. Now, that's not a team you might have heard much of before, but it's one against whom we have not enjoyed much success in the past. Find out all the details of this intriguing little club in our match preview. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that Pocella Escocia will be looking at the Promessa setup and how they've approached their new season, which kicks off this weekend. So if you've been hanging on to know, now you can find out what the lads have been doing and about the new man in charge, who you may just have heard of before. I'll put you out your misery with the answer to last week's trivia question and, as always, I'll pose another one. Loads to get stuck into today, so let's get going! Today's headlines. Real Valladolid's first team ended a 13-match winless streak in league matches by recording a 2-0 victory over Real Zaragoza. It came thanks to goals from Javi Sanchez and captain Tony Villa to give Pacheta his first official win as manager. We'll have full match coverage after these headlines. After very little in the way of transfer news over recent weeks, suddenly everything exploded into life in the course of the past few days. Over the last 72 hours, the club announced the signings of two players, 21-year-old Hugo Vallejo, a right-winger who joins from Real Madrid-Castilla on a three-year deal, and Cristo Gonzalez, a 24-year-old centre-forward from Udinese in Italy. There will be full profiles on these signings in the next episode. While planning this episode, there have been several exits from the first-team squad. I'll keep things brief and look at each deal in more detail next week, but the key departure has been that of Brazilian striker Marcos André, whose move to Mestai was finally announced on Wednesday of this week as he was officially unveiled as a Valencia player. Gone too is young forward Cookie Zalazar who has signed for fellow Segunda side Ponferredina on a free transfer. Left-back Moi Delgado has also been released. Leaving via but staying in the division are the following players who have signed loan deals with other Segunda clubs, Centre-forward Sergio Benito to Badajoz, right-winger Victor Garcia to Deportivo La Coruña and forward Seco Gassama to Málaga. They join goalkeeper José Antonio Caro, who has been loaned to near neighbours Burgos. Staying with the goalkeeping situation, there remains some mystery over who in fact claims priority to the gloves. Roberto, who recently indicated his intention to remain at the club, has started the first two matches of the season, but the bulk of the pre-season work was shared among the two, with Caro filling in very occasionally. Now, with the third-choice goalkeeper away, it's a straight competition between Masip, who played 25 times in the league last season, and Roberto, who registered 13 league outings and 4 in the Copa del Rey. Furthermore, Masip, recently a new father for the second time, has been linked with a move to Welsh side Swansea City, but there's been very little in the way of substance to these rumours. It's a situation we'll continue to monitor here at Pussella Scotia and we'll bring you all the latest as it happens, along with all of the other headlines next time. Find out all the latest news, reports and previews on our website at ww.pusellascocia.com Real Valladolid won their first league match in 167 days, when they beat Real Zaragoza in match day two of La Liga Smart Bank at the Jose Zoria last Friday night. After overcoming Getafe in March last season at the same venue, Pozella had been on a run of seven draws and six losses, but ended their drought with a 2-0 win. Javi Sanchez put us ahead with a superb strike on 17 minutes, which was added to in the final minute of play by Tony Villa. The visitors had several chances of their own but were guilty of spurning several opportunities, allowing Real Valladolid fans, taking in their first competitive match from the stands for the first time in 530 days, to celebrate a much-needed win. Pachetta made just two changes to his matchday squad who had drawn 1-1 away to Las Palmas the previous week, handing striker Sekou Gassama his first-ever minutes as he replaced Marcos André, while speculation roared on about his future at the club. With the Senegalese forward being promoted to the starting eleven after a bench spot last week, defender Jawad El-Yamik was given a place among the substitutes. Utilising the 3-4-1-2 shape again, Roberto continued in goal with a back three of Sanchez, Kiko Olivas and Joaquin. Lucas Olatha and Luis Perez retained their place on the left and right flanks respectively, with Villa and Rocky Mesa assuming the central positions. Oscar Plano took up position behind the front pairing of Gassama and Sean Weissman. The bench was populated by Jordi Masip, Bruno, El Yameek, Saidi Gianco, Nacho, Ruben Alcaraz, Alvaro Aguado and Ferri San Emiterio. Juan Ignacio Martinez had prepared his side well and they looked the most likely to score in the opening stages. They drew a save from Roberto who had to block an Alejandro Frances effort after the defender stabbed a shot at goal from close range following a set-piece. Posella made the opportunities that they had count and the first of these came on 17 minutes when Sanchez collected a pass from Roque Mesa in midfield and strolled forward. Brushing off the attention of Ivan Azon and Francho Serrano, he stroked an exquisite left-footed shot which blew past Real Zaragoza keeper Alvaro Raton and nestled into the top corner. This strike gave the defender his first goal since joining the club and just his second in senior football after scoring for Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey in December 2018. An area of concern came shortly before the half-hour mark with the withdrawal of Luis Perez through injury, who was replaced by Saidi Janko. Minutes later, the visitors fashioned their best chance of the match and really should have been back on level terms. Serrano played into Inigo Igueras, and the captain cleverly lifted the ball over the back line and into the path of Serrano who had continued his run. The midfielder touched a superbly volleyed pass across the face of goal to Athon at the back post but with the goal at his mercy, he somehow directed the ball onto Roberto's post and it deflected safely away. They weren't finished there, though, as uh, 60 seconds after this, Igueras' clever touch sent the ball onto fellow central midfielder James Igbekeme, and his reverse pass found Athan in stride, who had split the coverage of Olivas and Janko, but a right-handed save low down from Roberto blocked the chance of an equaliser. After somehow escaping to the dressing room ahead through Sanchez's goal, the second half was less well served with scoring opportunities. Pacheta replaced Gasama with San Emeterio at the break, and on 64 minutes, the goal-scoring Sanchez made way for El Yamik. Real Zaragoza continued to search for the leveller and almost found it with 12 minutes to play, but Juanjo Narváez scraped the paint of Roberto's left post with a free kick after beating the keeper. Aguado was brought on for Mesa and Alcaraz for Plano with 5 minutes remaining as fans nervily checked the clock on the scoreboard. Their fears were allayed when a superb piece of tracking back from Weissman won possession and Alcaraz took over, threading a pinpoint ball into Villa who had found space between Frances and Fran Gramez, slotting coolly past Raton to continue his resurgence under the new manager. Villa's reaction showed just how much he's relishing the opportunities handed to him by Pachetta, which further underlines how little he was used when Sergio was in charge. In his post-match press conference, Pachetta expressed his delight at the win, especially after such a prolonged period of time without one. He conceded that the team had in fact found it a tough match in several stages, referring in particular to the opening 20 minutes, but also saying that we scored in time when the team was suffering and had ultimately managed to win a match that was not brilliant. He stated that the opponent had more opportunities to score than against Las Palmas but hadn't found the net. He also went on to say that he was pleased with the player's response to being under attack, noting that they all understand and believe in their responsibilities. With regards to how he aligns his starting eleven and the approach he sets out for, Pochettino said he always prepares with a view to winning the match and cited maintaining possession as a key objective. By playing with three central defenders, it allows for each of them to be assigned a lane, but also to have help, ensuring that they feel comfortable at the back. The manager then paid tribute to the fans, acknowledging that they had stuck with the team and that he looks forward to welcoming more back once the capacity restrictions are lifted. Lastly, on the subject of transfers, Pacheta didn't directly reference Marcos André, but reiterated his stance that he only selects players who are focused. And he wouldn't be drawn further on the subject, but he noted that should they lose players, he was confident that replacements would come. From a player's perspective, Kiko Olivas also noted the challenge the match had posed, saying that the second division is competitive and teams will play against us like we're among the favourites, but that the win was what was important. He too placed importance on Real Zaragoza's missed opportunities. He suggested that the inconsistent pre-season was perhaps not ideal preparation for the players to become accustomed to the new formation brought in by Pachetta, especially as the vast majority of the team hadn't actually played a full 90 minutes until the first league match. The defender noted that extra effort will be put into training to what he called assimilate the tempo set out by the coach. Javi Sanchez was interviewed on the pitch after the match and was visibly delighted with the three points and his goal speaking of the freedom to move forward to attempt the shot. He too paid tribute to the fans, scoring them a 10 and acknowledging the extra something that the players get from their presence. Okay, so it's my turn to briefly break things down. Firstly, how good does it feel to be talking about a win for a change? Honestly, it just makes my week so much better. I think a lot of us have forgotten that feeling that comes with three points, so I feel we deserve to sit back and enjoy it. It's high time we were able to do that. It all looks great on paper. The first win in 13 matches. Two goals, a clean sheet, welcoming the return of fans, but it certainly wasn't as clear-cut as the result suggests. I feel it's vital to echo what Pachetta and the players spoke about after the match. It was important to get the win and it certainly wasn't easy. Yes, the team did play well and deserved a victory, but we were slightly behind in possession, although it wasn't by much. It was 48% to 52%. Pacheta stated that they want to control the ball more, so after our first real test of the season, this is maybe something he'll want to look at over the next couple of matches. The other thing that counted in our favour was Real Zaragoza's bad luck in front of goal. They really should have put that chance away when Nasson hit the post. If he did, we could have been talking about a whole different match. He didn't though, and Roberto bailed us out on a few occasions too with some confident saves when the defence was breached. I know I shouldn't and I'm kind of obsessed with it, but I can't help but thinking back to last year and thinking that's the kind of situation that we would have ended up getting a negative result from. At 1-0 up, there's a good chance we would have ended up playing defensively and then conceding late on, so it was wonderfully refreshing to see the team keeping up that industry until the end. The reward came from a fantastic bit of hassle from Weissman to win the ball back, which ultimately led to Villa's goal to put the result beyond reach. I'm absolutely delighted for Tony as well. He's a totally different player from last year's regime, and he's revelling in this increased playing time. He was pretty much a forgotten man under Sergio, recording just 968 minutes in the league, and I can't understand why he wasn't utilised more. He can play in both attacking midfield, left midfield and left wing roles, offering far more than Fabiano Rihanna ever did. Perhaps he was just the victim of Oriana's arrival and an obligation to play him instead. Who knows, what is for sure is that Tony Villa is back. He's got the captain's armband, a role which allows him more freedom, two starts out of two and a goal in the bag and most importantly, the trust of his coach. He's played 86% of the available minutes over the two opening matches and he's already standing out as one of the really important players in the squad. He seems like a nice lad too with a good head on his shoulders and a baby on the way, so you could say life is pretty good for him right now. So well done Tony. Another player who impressed me is Javi Sanchez and not just because of his goal, but that did help. He's had a rough time of it with injuries and he too seemed to disappear for much of last year. I'm hoping that he can form a solid partnership with Kiko Olivas and Joaquin in this new 3 at the back look while knowing that Bruno and El Yamik are there as depth. He looked really confident in his play on Friday, and I hope that this gives him the boost to be consistent this time around. A last note on the things that I enjoyed was Pochettino's comment in the post-match press conference about approaching the match to win and not being happy with the draw. That's so good to hear after the negative approach in seasons gone by. I like that, it's a strong statement and he's putting his cards on the table, showing that he wants to win, and he's going to hold himself accountable if they don't. I really think we've got the right man steering the ship this season. So, we kicked match day 2 off in style on Friday night, but what else went on around the league? Well, immediately after our match there was an intriguing fixture with Almeria, the early pace-setters, taking on Real Oviedo at home. They kept up their 100% record with a 2-1 win thanks to an early goal from José Carlos Lazo after 5 minutes and Lucas Robertone adding another just after the break after Ghanaian midfielder Samuel Obeng had grabbed his second goal of the season on 15 minutes to reduce the arrears for the visitors. On Saturday, our next opponents Lugo, drew nothing each at home with Real Sociedad B, and there was another stalemate at the Estadio Heliodoro Rodriguez-Lopez between Tenerife and Sporting. When Labrada notched their first win of the campaign at Alcorcon, behind goals from Abubakari Kante and Anderson in the second half, to round out the day's fixtures. Moving on to Sunday, there was an absolute cracker at Cannes Misses in Ibiza as the home side jumped out to a 2 0 lead, courtesy of a double from Polish midfielder Mateusz Bobus. His opener on 19 minutes was pretty impressive but then he blew that one away with a smashing angled long-range effort just after the error mark to send the crowd into disbelief. However, Malaga responded with a goal of their own two minutes later from Luis Munoz and snatched a point with three minutes to go through Roberto Fernandez. Ibiza are still waiting for their first ever win in the division, coming oh so close in this one. Ponferredina shocked Eibar 1-0 at Ipurua. Jose Naranjo's 57th-minute goal proving to be enough, even with the dismissal of Alexander Upascanou on 69 minutes for a straight red. Hebar have struggled since dropping down to the Segunda, losing both of their opening two matches and have yet to score a goal. That's disappointing from a side who are among a lot of people's picks to challenge for the title. Drawing nothing each were Girona and Las Palmas, with Huesca closing out Sunday's action with their second 2-0 win in a row, this time over Cartagena. Julian Delmas scored an own goal, and central midfielder Jaime Seone made it two goals in as many matches on 72 minutes. Monday night saw Mirandes pick up their first win, 2-0 over promoted Amorabieta. Left winger Inigo Vicente scored 8 minutes into the second period, and the wonderfully named Imanol Garcia de Albines added his side second in the closing moments. In the final exchanges of match day 2, Leganes and Burgos played out a goalless draw at Butarque, with both sides awaiting their first win. What does all this mean for the table then? Fuesca usurp Almeria as leaders, both sides are on the maximum six points, but Ignacio Amritha's side have yet to concede a goal and find themselves top of the pile. Ponferradina also sport a perfect record too and come in at third. Just behind them in fourth are Real Valladolid who have four points, as do Mirandes, Girona, Tenerife, Real Sociedad B and Sporting. When Labrada are in tenth on three points. Sunday's opponents Lugo are the first of the winless sides and sit in 11th on two points, with Málaga, Ibiza and Las Palmas. Real Oviedo are in 15th on a single point, joined by Burgos, Leganes and Real Zaragoza. In the drop zone, without a point to their names are Alcarcón in 19th, Ebar in 20th, Cartagena in 21st and Amorabieta are at the bottom with no points and no goals so far and you can see it being a tough road ahead for them. Match day 3 starts on Friday night with Las Palmas at home to Huesca, with the visitors out to maintain their 100% start, followed by Malaga versus Alcorcón. Saturday's action begins with sporting, entertaining Mirandes. Come on, Mirandes! Leganes hosting Ibiza, Real Oviedo and Tenerife squaring off at the Nuevo Carlos Cartier, and Girona travelling to take on a Ponferredina side, who have started the season very brightly indeed. (music) Luckless Amorabieta welcome Almeria, hoping to spring a surprise on Ruby's men before we play Lugo at 6.30pm UK time. At the same time, Real Sociedad B and Fuenlabrada clash before Burgos and Eibar bring Sunday to a close. There's only one Monday night match this week and that's Real Zaragoza at home to Cartagena at the historic La Romareda. For now though, let's have a little look at that Sunday evening meeting with Lugo. Stay tuned to the Pasella Scosia podcast for more. Well, it's been more than a little delayed, but apparently all good things come to those who wait, so I'm pleased to bring you the update on all the movement of Real Valladolid Promesses, the club's B-team. And it comes just in the nick of time as they begin their season this weekend. The news kicked off at the end of May with the first signing of the new campaign, Brazilian Lucas Rosa inked a four-year deal, arriving from Juventus-Turin, the reserve side of the Italian giants. The 21-year-old is a right-back who came through the Palmeiras youth system and has represented his country at under-17 level. He joined the Juventus setup in the summer of 2019 and played more than 500 minutes across 12 matches in the Italian third tier. In early June, the Promesas found out that they would be assigned to Group 1 in the newly created Primera RFEF division, which replaced the Segunda Bay and was kind of confusing in its name as it was the 3rd division. The new name doesn't exactly make things much clearer, but it does separate it from anything to do with the Segunda in name. In Group 1, there'll be four teams that the Promesas have never faced before. These are Deportivo La Coruña, Sociedad Deportiva Logroñés, who they begin their season against, Club Deportivo Badajoz, and Extremadura Unión Deportiva. There will also be neighbouring clubs Cultural Leonesa, Zamora Club de Football, and Uniónistas de Salamanca, all within the Castile and Leon region. The latter two of which were opponents faced by the Promessas in the promotion phases last season. Cultural Lujanesa are the side in Group 1 whom they have played the most, with 29 matches between the sides, including two draws in Segunda Bay last season. Their shortest away trip will be in their final match of the regular season against Zamora, only 100km away from Valladolid, while their longest trip will take them 446km to Ferrol in Galicia to play Racing de Ferrol. There will be over 11,000km of travelling, Totaling approximately 107 hours for the promessas during their adventures away this coming season. The top team in each group, of which there are two, will be automatically promoted into Segunda for next season, with teams finishing in positions 2-5 being involved in the playoffs. The five lowest play sides will automatically drop down into what is now known as Segunda RFEF, the old Tercera division, or fourth tier. On June 30th, Promesas manager Javier Barraja announced he'd be stepping down from his role. July 6th brought the news that Ignacio Velarraza wouldn't continue as a Promesas player. The left-back had been in the system for two seasons and played in 29 official matches, and he had also featured a little bit in the Copa del Rey for the first team last season. Two days later came the news that the new Promesas manager would be Julio Baptista, the former Brazil international midfielder. Nicknamed the Beast for his size and physical strength, Baptista had been promoted from his role as head coach of youth category Juvenil A, where he'd been since the beginning of the 2019-20 campaign. Last season, he guided the young players to a third-placed finish in Grupo Cinco División de Honor, behind only Atletico and Real Madrid's youth sides, winning 53 of their 23 matches. Moving up from that squad along with their coach would be players Iker Pérez, Diego Moreno, Casado, Iker González, Abel Calleja, Popi, Adri Carion, Isailovic, Slavi and Castri. Sergio López, Miguel Rubio, Elliot, and Thiago ended their loan spell with Promesas during the summer and returned to their parent clubs, while goalkeepers Samu Pérez and Gaisca Campos came to the end of their contracts along with Lucas Freitas, Alonso, Fran Alvarez and Raúl Uche, It wasn't long before the second signing of the off-season arrived, Samuel Casado, a former Malaga youth player who arrived on a one-year deal from Alcorcón. The 24-year-old native of the Granada region played six times for Los Alfareros last season, competing three times in Segunda Action and three in the Copa del Rey. Also signing for Promesas was Victor Segura, a 21-year-old left winger from Albacete, who arrived the day before preseason training began and was joined by signing number four, attacking midfielder Fran Rivera. With preseason training underway, Real Vidalid announced the coaches who would take command of their youth categories for the upcoming season. The headline appointment was former first team captain Borja Fernandez to the Juvenil A role vacated by Batista. Juvenil B will be led by Juan Carlos Pereira. Cadet A by Diego Macon and Cadet B by Manuel Olivas. Victor Quadriero and José Antonio Rodriguez assume the coaching roles at Infantil A and B respectively, while Alevine A will be led by Aitor Carballo and Alevine B, the youngest of the categories, by Daniel Medina. There was further movement in the squad as they welcomed the arrival of another Fran this time in the shape of Fran Lopez, a 20-year-old central midfielder who joins from Recreativo de Huelva on a three-year deal. The opening match action for The Promesas came in the shape of a triangular tournament held in Ciudad Rodrigo, just over 30 kilometres from the border with Portugal. It featured Baptista's side, along with Unionistas de Salamanca, and the local side, Ciudad Rodrigo, with the tournament being held in honour of the Mirobreguense Diabetes Association. To allow the competition to be held over just one evening, each match was only 45 minutes long, and featured a penalty shootout at the end of each to determine any tiebreaker requirements. In Pusela's opening fixture against the hosts, a 12th-minute Dallison goal gave them a 1-0 win and they took the shootout by a score of 6-5. Against Unionistas, they overcame conceding in the first minute to draw level on 35 minutes through Castri, but fell 2-0 on penalties. Unionistas threw nothing each for the home side, which meant that the Promesas boasted the better record and took the trophy. They followed up this success three days later with a 2-1 win over Palencia Cristo Atletico, who the first team had been due to meet, but cancelled because of the high number of Covid cases in the squad. Goals from Adrian Gomez and Slavi in the first half were enough to see them passed. Further signings arrived as the Promesas continued to outscore their first-team counterparts in the summer window. Kike Rios, a tall centre-back, signed from Sevilla Atletico in a two-year deal – the same length of contract as 21-year-old Ukrainian goalkeeper Yari Maker. He signed when he came in from Logroñes, and he may well play against them in the league this season. The pair became the sixth and seventh signings respectively. The pre-season matches continue to come thick and fast. A goalless draw with Atletico Madrid B was swiftly followed up by a 4-0 win at Atletico Tordesillas, with a double from Paolo Vitor added to by Chucky and Daly. Nieto direct free kick and a penalty from Slavi earned the boys a 2-all draw against Burgos Promesas, and the same score occurred the following day when they took on Sporting B, and, curiously, it was the same two on the score sheet, just the other way around. Baptista's lads then took on Club Deportivo Laguna in the semi-final of the 28th Trofeo Deputacion de Valladolid and blew their opponents away with a dazzling display of firepower which saw them run out winners by a score of 9-1. Victor Segura scored a hat-trick, Victor Socorro bagged a brace, and there were individual goals from Fran Rivera, Paolo Vitor and Slavi, who's my big hope for the season and I'll look a little further into him in the coming weeks. At Pecheta's request, a warm-up match was arranged for three days after this match, held between the Promesas and some of the first team players who had not clocked up many game minutes during the pre-season. The first team players involved were Jordi Masip, Roberto Corral, Bruno, Moy Delgado, Victor Garcia, Ruben Alcaraz, Alvaro Aguado, Nacho, Fabiano Oriana, Cookie Thalathar and Sergi Guardiola. The encounter lasted 60 minutes and was without any goals, but it served as a useful exercise for both squads and managers, and goes a long way to cementing unity between the two levels at the club. The Promessas rounded off their pre-season schedule in style, winning the final of the Trofeo Deputacion against Atletico Tordesillas just down the road in Laguna de Duero. Diego Moreno's goal for the Blanque Violetas in first half stoppage time was cancelled out ten minutes after the restart by Davi Gomez. And the match went to penalties. All five of Promessa's spot kicks were successful, with Mikel Caro, Slavi, Fran Rivera, Dali and Moreno all finding the net, but it was the heroics of goalkeeper Yari who saved Diego Benito's penalty which secured the trophy for Battista's side. Victor Segura earned the award for the most goals scored thanks to his treble in the semi-final against Club Deportivo Laguna. They now gear up to take on Sociedad Deportivo Logroñes in Logroño, La Rioja, on Saturday evening, at 8.30pm UK time, at the Mundial Idos, a stadium whose name is a reference to the 1982 World Cup, held of course in Spain. It's an interesting name, as that's also the street name upon which the Estadio José Zoría sits, which was one of the host venues for that very World Cup. The stadium saw Group 4 matches between Czechoslovakia and Kuwait, France and Kuwait and Czechoslovakia and France. We wish Julio Baptista, his players and coaching staff all the very best for the upcoming season and echo that sentiment to all the young people and staff involved at all levels of the Real League Youth Programme. Good luck everyone! As we near the end of the show, there's just time to tell you about the trivia question. Last week I asked you what shirt number Naeem wore for Real Zaragoza when he scored the winning goal in the 1995 Cup Winners' Cup Final against Arsenal. The answer is... Number 5. And I think I incorrectly assigned him as being their left back when I was asking the question last week. So, points off for me and extra points to you if you picked up on that. On with this week's question, which, like last week, is going to be based on our opponents. Somewhat loosely. Lugo play in the area of Spain known as Galicia, which is also home to several other football clubs. Can you tell me how many Galician derbies will take place in La Liga Smart Bank this season? You'll have to work out how many Galician teams there are and take into account home and away fixtures. Here's how to let me know. Get in touch with the show on Twitter at MartyRVCF or search Facebook and Instagram for Priscilla Escocia. So we reached the end of another episode. It's been one of the busiest I've ever had to put together. It seemed like each time I had written a section, some piece of news broke and it meant that I had to change some of it. Therefore, apologies if there are one or two out-of-date pieces of information or that I've not quite got round to including something. I'll gather all the loose ends together for the upcoming shows. Next time on the Priscilla Scotia podcast. Coming up over the next couple of episodes of Pozella, Escocia, there'll be all the latest headlines and transfers. I'll look back at our match against Lugo and investigate what to expect from the next outing against Burgos. I'll review how the promises got on as they started their season and take a look at developments in the basketball team. Not just that, but there'll be more trivia. That's all coming up on Pozella, Escocia, but for now, thank you as always for tuning in and catch you next time. Bye for now.